Well, happy Father's Day to all of you who are our dads tonight. Glad that you're here with us. Well, this summer we have been asking uh, the question, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? And we're asking that because we're moving into a new neighborhood and trying to figure that out. Jesus summarizes the heart of Christianity like this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so this summer, we're focusing on the the second part of those two commands, loving your neighbor as yourself. And we're particularly asking as we move into the neighborhood as as a church community, what does it look like to uh, to, to love our neighbors well. Well, we started that last week, and several of you uh, either wrote or, or shared some good feedback with me. And if I could kind of summarize it, it goes something like this. Hey, we are excited to move into our new neighborhood. We do want to be good neighbors, but don't forget, we're also coming out of a pandemic. And we all experience the pandemic in different ways. Some of us really struggled and are having a hard time getting going again. We need to neighbor ourselves well, too, so that we can be good neighbors to others. I think that is really, really good feedback. One friend sent a blog post titled, How do we catch up with friends when we are still figuring out who we are now? And she said, I think this is where many of us are now. Here's a paragraph. The writer says, I know I have changed in some ways. The grief and loss and isolation of the last year have allowed my emotions to come closer to the surface than normal. I find I need more space now, more time to reflect. I used to have a bonkers schedule. Now it's as if I can just do one thing a day. A school administrator told me, he said, you know, now that we've survived the year, And I can stop and reflect. He said, I see a deep level of sadness and disconnection in our parents, students, and teachers that I've never seen before. A businessman told me about a time he worked uh, as a consultant for the Ritz-Carlton, the luxury hotel known for great service to guests. And he said that one of the Ritz-Carlton's values was for their staff to treat each other better than they treated their guests. And the idea was is that if they as a team cared for each other at that level, they then would be empowered and encouraged to care for their guests even better. Well, I've been thinking about this, and as often happens, Matt gave me a a little podcast I thought was really interesting, where the host was talking about the K-shaped pandemic curve. Maybe you've heard of this. Everybody talks about recoveries and curves, and there's U-shaped and L-shaped, and kind of you go down and you're down for a while, or a V-shaped, you go down and you pop back up. And this host was saying that we were going through a K-shaped pandemic curve. And what he meant by that was that some people did very well during the pandemic, that their businesses thrived, personally it was good for them and their relationships, their health was great, and so they're, they're kind of on the way up. But others really struggled during the pandemic, they had health problems or maybe lost a loved one, their business might have failed, they might have lost their job, and they're kind of on the way down. 
And the, the point of the podcast was that uh, both are true in most communities, that there's people going up and people going down, and we need to take that into account. And so uh, I, I think that's really, really good feedback, and I'm glad that uh, you all shared it with me. And so as we, as we think about neighboring this summer, let's, let's, let's do a both and. Um, let's work through the Bible together and think about being a good neighbor to our new neighborhood, let's also think about being a good neighbor to our neighbors in this room, because we need some re-neighboring in here as well. Um, it's hard to kind of come back together like, and feel disconnected sometimes. So last week, we started with creation, and we said that God created everybody in his image, and that each of our neighbors are made in the image of God. And part of what it means to be made in the image of God is to be made for relationship. Uh, one theologian, I think, expresses the, the view of many when he says, I would contend that the symbol, the image of God, describes human life in relationship with God and other creatures. To be human is to live freely and gladly in relationships of mutual respect and love. So we're created to be good neighbors. We're created to, to live in this network of mutually respective and loving relationships. Uh, the creation story, in a way, describes an ideal neighborhood. But the, the first human beings don't enjoy that mutual love for long. They experience broken relationships with God, with each other, with the earth. And the name we give to the virus that infects the human community is sin. And so Genesis 3 to 11 describes this plague of sin in terms of greater and greater disconnection. We see the neighborhood's first murder. We see a, a rupture between God and people. We see judgment. Uh, this whole tragic section ends in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. People are trying to build a a neighborhood without God in it at all. Now, every great story has a great problem to overcome. And so if you're a careful reader of the Bible, you come to Genesis 11 and you ask, how is God going to solve this problem? He made this beautiful neighborhood. Uh, God created it for love. Uh, the Hebrew word is shalom. But now all of that's been shattered. And that word shalom for a neighborhood where people are enjoying harmony with one another and themselves and God and the planet. That's a, that's a helpful concept to keep in mind when we think about being good neighbors. Um, Cornelius Plantiga wrote a book on sin, and he observes, he says, the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. We call it peace, but it means much more than that. In the Bible, shalom means universal human flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied, natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. 
So God intends for our neighborhoods to enjoy shalom. And we get to partner with him in restoring shalom wherever he puts us. So the question we're asking when we get to Genesis 12 in the Bible is shalom has been fractured. Plantica calls it the vandalism of shalom. I think that's a powerful image. That What sin is is the vandalism of shalom. All that harmony God intended is just cracked. Well, God's strategy is this little passage in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and it starts with this guy, Abram or Abraham. He'd been living in Ur, which was an important cultural center in southern Iraq. And, and if you read the chapter before, he's just moved to Haran, which is in eastern Syria, and God speaks to him. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Redemption starts with a word from the Lord. God's plan for healing begins with a word from God. Now we don't know a lot about Abram's faith. At this point, remember this is before priests and temples and uh, all of that. But if you read his story, it goes from about 12 all the way to 25. You often find him like, it'll say things like, and he was in the oaks of Mamre and he met the Lord. He, he seemed to like to go to forests to pray. He just was always seeking Yahweh wherever he, he could. And so somehow he identifies Yahweh's voice, hears it, and obeys. And I think there's a lesson that we might just stop and note here, and that is that any kind of loving movement I make towards my neighbor must come out of a relationship with God. Abraham's going comes out of his praying. And I think that's really important to keep in mind, whether you're just, maybe you're thinking about the neighbors in your house or your dorm. Maybe you're thinking about the neighborhood down here. It's really easy to be overwhelmed with need. A need doesn't constitute a call, right? Just because there's a need doesn't mean that you have to meet it. There has to be some kind of interaction with God a word from God that you're responding to so that you know how to move towards that need. I, I listened to a podcast recently with a forester, and the, the, she was asked, does the forest have the capacity to heal itself? And I honestly never thought about that. And she said, it does, actually. She said, in the forest, there's like this ecological internet system and the trees are constantly communicating with each other through their root systems, uh, through, through their blossoms, even through the wind, through smell. And the whole forest knows which trees are strong and which trees are weak and it actually funnels resources towards the weaker members of the forest. I thought, wow, that's a lot more going on in the forest than I I'm usually trying not to get lost in the forest, but there's a lot going on in the forest. And I thought maybe, maybe that's similar to what it means to, to be in a neighborhood or to be neighboring is that 
In the kingdom of God, there's this spiritual network already going on where God is trying to move resources towards the weak trees and, and, and strengthen the strong trees. And maybe prayer helps us know what's going on in the root system and helps us know where we need to, to move and use our resources. I have a friend who's just, God's given him an incredible vision. And uh, they're, they're very smart. They've got lots of resources and they're ready to go. And we were talking, they wanted to do a business plan. And I said, you know, this is really an incredible vision, but maybe the first thing you need to do is develop a contemplative prayer life. Maybe before you go public with anything, maybe you need to step back and really learn how to pray. Because out of prayer comes work, comes ministry. Over the years, one of the metaphors we've used around all souls is an urban monastery. And if that sounds a little too medieval, watch a few episodes of Call the Midwife. Uh, an urban monastery is a, just a community of Jesus followers that come together in prayer and worship and then service to their community. Most monasteries somewhere have this Latin phrase, ora et labora, which means prayer and work. And it's, it's a beautiful rhythm where they pray together and out of the prayer comes their work and their service. And I think, I think that's a beautiful picture of what, where neighboring starts. It starts with people who are pursuing God, worshiping God, praying in God, getting in touch with the root system. And then out of that, We'll know where to move. Well, God tells Abraham to go, to leave home. Let's think about that. What would that mean for us? Uh, in the ancient world, uh, people lived in clans. The clan was your extended family. It was your social security. It was your police force. It was your health insurance, your pension fund, <laughs> everything. And so when God says, I want you to leave your kindred, He's saying, I want you to leave your clan. That was a really, really scary thing to ask because everything, his whole safety net was being taken away. And so he has to leave home to be a blessing to his neighbors. He has to step out in faith to bless his neighbors. He has to face his fears to be a blessing to his neighbors. That's a part of neighboring, too, I, I think, that we're going to have to wrestle with. Again, think both and. Think about your family, your friends, your roommates, your students. Think about the broader neighborhood we're moving into. To bless, there often has to be a leaving of home. There has to be a going out, a risk-taking. Um, and I know we all responded to the pandemic differently. I, th I think for some of us, there was a little bit of a hunkering down, a little bit of a, I've just got to weather this and get through it. And, and now I think we're coming out, and it's a little bit like uh, London during the Blitz, where after a night of bombing, the first thing the neighbors would do is go into the street, go to their neighbors and check in on them and see if they're okay. Maybe that would be something we could be doing is checking in and just seeing if folks are okay. Maybe there's somebody on your mind tonight you just miss. Uh, you just kind of wonder, I wonder how they are. 
Well, that might mean just, just going. Just to te- There's somebody on my mind tonight. I just need to text them and just check in on them. Now, let's think about it a little bit as a church family, this going idea. Um, I consider myself somewhat familiar with downtown. I've been down here for a while. And when I think about where we are now, um, there's a couple of things that I'm familiar with. Uh, I know uh, Bert Rosen really well. And I do know he's at Karma. I know Bruce Spangler at VMC. know them very well. I know a little bit about the homeless services. Uh, I'm very aware there's a lot of really cool bars um, in our neighborhood. Great beer. Um, but there's a lot in this neighborhood that as we prayer walked this spring, I realized I don't really know this neighborhood at all, or very little. I just know parts of it. And maybe you're in a similar way. Uh, you know, there are businesses in our neighborhood. There are uh, nonprofits that, you know, deal with folks other than housing. I'm told we're part of a maker's corridor. Need to figure out what that means. Yeah, there, there's a number of recovery and rehab facilities in our neighborhood. Um, there's housing for uh, the, the elderly. There's public and low-income housing. Uh, there's a lot of other churches that have been here faithfully ministering for years. There's three that, that are really close, and I've asked the pastors of each one to speak to us during this neighboring series, too, because they've been ministering in the neighborhood for years. Um, we border several neighborhoods, Old City, Old North, Fourth and Gill, Park Ridge. You know, I, I, I don't really know right now what they're thinking about or worried about. Um, children in our neighborhood go to a number of different schools. What kind of challenges are they facing? Uh, how are people thinking about the stadium project? How do our neighbors feel about gentrification? There's just a lot of good questions uh, that I don't really know the answer to right now, and I bet most of us don't. So I don't think that means we rush out right now and interview all of our neighbors and wear them out. Um, I think probably the way of wisdom is to step back and, and maybe do learn what we can first from the resources that we already have in the room, and, and then we can go out in a little more informed way. Um, we've got to, have to do our homework first. But, but I think what I, what I hear in this passage tonight for us, it reminds me of this old Bible study by a guy named Henry Blackaby. I think it was called Experiencing God. And he had this passage or this section where, I'll never forget it. He, he said, the key to the Christian life is discerning where God is at work and adjusting your life to join him. The key to the Christian life is discerning where God is work and adjusting to where God is and joining him. And so even though we're going to go very slowly and hopefully very prayerfully, and we're not going to all run out and storm, <laughs> storm everything in the neighborhood, going for us will eventually mean some kind of risk-taking and change. We will have to do things differently as we adjust to whatever new thing God has for us. Well, let's end with this. Abraham goes to bless. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In the Hebrew mindset, blessing has the idea of the restoration of shalom, of helping people live in harmony with God, others in the earth. The interesting thing about a blessing in Hebrew 
It was more than a spoken word. It actually had power to perform things. It was performative. And so when a land is blessed, it becomes fertile. When Eden's blessed, it experiences rest and peace. When Adam and Eve are blessed, they're fruitful. When Israel's blessed, they grow. When Abraham's blessed, he prospers materially. When Jacob is blessed, he finds his role in the community. So it's, it's more than, um, hey, hey, would you say the blessing before we eat? It's, it's, this, it's this performative act of speaking in a way and acting in a way that causes shalom. So, two applications here, and then we'll, we'll go to the table. As we seek to bless our neighbors, and again, that could be the single person in, on your block, the widow, it could be this broader neighborhood. Well, let's remember that ultimately the deepest source of blessing is living in harmony with God. I mean, that ultimately is what, how Abraham blesses the earth. It's through Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection restores us to harmony with God. So one of the ways that we neighbor well is to bless our neighbors with the beautiful story of the gospel. That's an important part of neighboring well. But the second thing I'd like us to end with and think about is let's ask ourselves over the years ahead, are we blessing this neighborhood? Uh, are we speaking and acting in ways that give our neighbors peace and rest? Are we nourishing the tall trees and watering the weak ones? Are we removing the barriers to keep people from flourishing? And are we gently witnessing to the beauty of the gospel? Let's pray. Lord, maybe we start tonight, maybe this summer, even as we kind of prepare for moving in down the road. Would you, would you help, uh, help us dust off our prayer practices if they've gotten rusty for some of us? We want to be a people that hear your word so we can obey it. And then, Lord, I, I ask that we neighbor well both within and outside of our church. And maybe tonight there are some here that just have been on the downward slope of that K-shaped recovery. It's been rough and I pray that they wouldn't just slip in and out tonight and not be noticed. I, Lord, I ask you might start a new small group or two this summer and this fall that might just enfold some folks that need a little neighboring. And then we might be extra sensitive to the person sitting next to us in our pew tonight. Thank you for the deep, beautiful harmony with you that we have because of the cross. We come to the table now to say thank you for that. In your name, amen.